Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. One of my favorite authors uh, and pastors is a guy by the name of John Ortberg. If you haven't, if you read and you haven't read anything by him, you should. Uh, the guy, John Ortberg is his name. He's written books like, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Super good book. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Life I've Always Wanted, which talks about the spiritual disciplines in a way that's not like, oh, I should do these things so I could be a better Christian, but how spiritual disciplines open us up to a relationship with God that we've always our, our, our soul has always longed for, and they just open us up to a receptivity to God that we can hear him, that we could uh, walk with him more closely. I love John Ortberg. I was listening to a sermon series of his maybe nine months ago, and I was just moved by it, and I thought, I would love for us to be able to take that uh, these concepts and bring it here. For us, it's so good And so this series that we're jumping into today, we're calling Six Words That Can Change Your Life. And it's coming from a series that uh, he preached to his church. So I want to be real clear on that. If it's good, if it's good, it's likely from him. If it's bad, I'm messing it up, okay? (laughs) I love it, and I've been uh, just reflecting and studying on these six words, Um, So the words are, they're very simple, and they're easy to remember, but they're powerful. The six words are no, yes, sorry, enough, help, and wow. And as we dig into those words, there's power in those words. As we walk with Jesus, and he teaches us what a no with him looks like, and what a yes with him looks like, what sorry, and what enough, and what help and what wow look like when we're walking with Jesus. Those words are powerful, and I think, I really do think that they have the power to change your life. Justin, this morning, is preaching at West. He's preaching on no, and then we're going to switch next week. He's going to come here. He'll preach no here, and I'm going to go share about yes over at West next week. No is all about making space. No is about We have a million different yeses commanding or asking for our attention, screaming for our attention, and we have to be able in life to be able to say, I have to to set some boundaries. I have to say no to some things. I can't say yes to everything. Some things are good things that I have to say no to so I can get to the better yes, right? And some things are just uh, temptations that will mess me up. Jesus said no a lot. I want to take a look at how we say no in a way that honors God, in a way that builds us up and changes our life for the better. So no is a powerful word. That being said, no is also one of the most dangerous words in the world. If I simply put the word no up on the screen for you right now, your body would physically react. Your body would send stress out into you. Living with too much no in your life affects your sleep, it affects your attitude, it affects your appetite, it affects your long-term happiness and joy. If you live with a posture of no and negativity, 
it can really get in and do damage. No can be helpful, but we were made for yes. We were made for yes. I will never forget the day, the day that Leslie said yes to me. So we, we dated through college, and I graduated a year earlier because she was a better student, and she was more aggressive in her schooling, and she had a longer internship. And so I was working in youth ministry in the college town uh, where we went, and she was helping in youth ministry. And the day, I remember the day, it was a Sunday that I was going to ask for her parents' blessing to say, will you bless our marriage? I would like to propose to Leslie, will you do that? And Leslie knew that they were coming into town. We were all four of us. I was going to do it with her right next to me. Um, going to, at lunch, ask for their blessing. And I was nervous. And Leslie's like, man, what is into you? This isn't that big a deal. I'm like, I know, but I know more than you right now. Because my plan was not only just ask for their blessing at lunch that day, I was hoping it was going to go well because my plan was to propose that night. So if it didn't go well, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay? But Sunday night was youth group night. And given where we were in our stage of life, we were invested in this group of kids. And I thought, how cool to be able to show them, to be able to do this together and give them an example of what God does with romantic love in two people. And so, like, I'm the youth pastor. I get to, like, plan the curriculum, and I plan that night uh, to teach about love. And I remember one of the guys coming up to me before we started, like, so, like, you guys have been dating. You guys are, uh, when are you actually going to propose? And I'm like, uh, it's coming. Uh, it's, it's coming. And I taught on 1 Corinthians 13 that night. And I had it all written out. Actually, last night as I was uh, putting this sermon together, I got out the sheet of paper written in green pen, because I, I don't know why I did that, but it's green pen writing out the specific words that I wanted to be able to tell Leslie. And I taught through 1 Corinthians 13 on love. Love is patient and love is kind. And this, this is what love looks like. And then I turned the corner and I said, guys, if you want to see an example of someone who embodies love for others, look at Leslie. Because Leslie is this and Leslie is this and Leslie is this. And then I started crying and I couldn't finish it. And it was 10 years before I was able to say, this is what I plan to say. On our 10-year anniversary, I got that sheet out again. By the time I got on my knee, the kids had moved from like sitting around the edges of the room on couches to like right down front and center like, oh my, this is happening. <laughs> and she said, yes. And it changed my life. And it changed her life. My life, better. <laughs> Being in love makes you want to say yes to another person. When you love somebody, you want to say yes. That's, that's the way you lean. That's the way you stand into that relationship. You live with a yes. And it doesn't mean that you don't have a no. It doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. You will still, you should, all healthy relationships have good no's in them. Right? But you want to say yes. It's like a parent with a child. You want to say yes to your child. 
Sometimes when they've asked a question for the 14th time in a row and it's so grating on you, you're like, oh, I don't want to say yes. I've told you no 13 times and it's not going to change just because you're asking again. But I want to say yes in general to you. If you want something, I want to give it to you. If you need something, I want to give it to you. I don't want to spoil you. I don't want to make you a brat, but I... I want to pour love into you. I want to say yes to you. And friends are like that. If you have a friend come and ask you like, hey, can I have some time with you? You want to say yes. There's there's a much different reaction when it's somebody that you don't care all that much for, somebody that annoys you, somebody that you don't like spending time with, and they say, hey, can we spend some time together? What does your body say inside? How can I say no? What, what can I do to make this a good, healthy no? This, is a, this would be a healthy boundary, right? And we lean no because there's something different about the relationship. Carrying a no to someone is leaning away. It's being annoyed. It's ignoring. It's dismissing. It's just plain uh, raining on their parade sometimes when we lean no toward others. So let's talk about a couple of different yeses in the Bible this morning. And the first one starts with a question. It's the big question. Do you think of God as having a yes in his heart or a no in his heart for you? Do you think of God primarily as having a yes toward you or a no toward you? Because the answer to that question, how you answer that question matters. How you answer that question changes the way you live. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you feel. It changes the way you respond to things. If you constantly feel like God is no, 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 that will shrink you over time. And I would guarantee that it has an effect of you leaning into others that same way. What you receive, you give, right? If you're constantly receiving no from God or from others, that's what you end up giving. But could it be that God has a yes for you? Could it be that God's primary stance to you is not a no, it's actually a yes? That God actually looks on you and says, yes, yes, I love you. I am for you. I want to be with you. Could it be that that is his primary stance? And I would say this morning, it's not a could be. It's an absolute yes, that's how he is. God has a yes for you. The church in Corinth, in uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, they dealt with this question. So 1 Corinthians is is a pretty challenging book. Paul writes to the church meeting at Corinth, and he has some harsh, tough love for them. You are you are poisoning your relationships and this has to change and he's got some serious challenge and so it's fair to think that they said they would question what is your posture toward us and as you reflect God's heart what is God's posture toward us and Paul answers this in his second letter 
And he doesn't just make it about himself. He doesn't just say, this is between you and me. This is the relationship that we share. And if I'm a no or a yes to you, this comes out of how God stands into you. Who is God? What is his character? What is his heart for you? In 2 Corinthians, in the opening of the book, chapter 1, starting in verse 18. We'll put this up on the screen. I love this. Paul responds. Paul responds to their question of, do you have a yes or a no for us? Are you leaning into us or are you leaning away? Do we just annoy you or are you for us? Paul writes this. As surely as God is faithful, our word, our message to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it's through him we utter our amen to, the, to God for his glory. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That's who Paul is pointing to. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. How many promises has God made? He's made a bunch. You go through the Bible, some people count up and they say the Bible contains 7,457 promises from God. And all of them find their yes in Jesus. God stands with an enormous yes after yes after yes after yes to you. You get a lot of no's in life. But no matter what your circumstances, no matter if your boss says no or your coworkers say no or your coach says no or the IRS says no, college or a job or a guy or a girl say no to you, no matter how many no's you get, God has an enormous yes for you. 7,457 7, times in Christ, God has a yes. God, will you save me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you give me a new heart? Will you give me a new day? Yes. Yes. Will you make me, God, a new creation? Yes. Will you give me strength? Yes. Will you give me guidance? Yes. Will you give me wisdom? Yes. Will you give me the ability to forgive? Yes. Will you be with me every moment, every day for as long as I live? Yes. Will you give me your very spirit? Yes. And even after I die, will you raise me up again so that I could be with you forever? Yes. All of God's promises are yes in Jesus. He brings them to fulfillment for us. You are loved. Central to who you are. Central to your identity. You are loved by God, and he says yes to you. That's the first yes. God has a massive yes for you. If you receive that yes, then you have an opportunity to respond with a yes. That's the second yes. 2 Corinthians 1.20, we just read it. 
Verse 20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why it's through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. This is the way that we say yes to God. This second word, amen, like it gets translated to us as a somewhat stuffy, maybe churchy word. Some people pull it off when Tony preaches, he can like call out amens in people. When Justice preaches, like on Good Friday, I remember him, him saying amen, and people are responding. There's like this cadence and uh, relationship going on. For me, I grew up like, I, I prefer like a good healthy nod. That's, that's my amen, right? That's my nod. That's my yes. Amen in the day didn't mean churchy whatever. It was like, yes, let it be so. I want it to be that way. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm counting on. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yes, let it be that way. Amen. It's full of yes, and it's a response. Because all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. Therefore, we can respond with a big yes back to God and to others. And so for the rest of the time this morning, I want to look at four ways that we can respond with yes. Directly back to God. And then three ways, primarily, as he stands in yes to us, and he cares about people, how do we follow him in response to that yes toward people? How do we ourselves become a yes toward others? So how do we respond to God with a yes? And then three different ways that we can respond, and it doesn't exhaust the list. We could stand here for a long, long time and talk about yeses we could have. We're going to talk about one to God and three to people. If God's stance is yes toward us, how can we return to yes ourselves and how can we live with yes? Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit is speaking. God is talking to you. He's with you and he's sharing things with you and he's constantly He's constantly speaking. When Jesus left, after he rose from the dead, he said, he promised, he said, yes, I will be with you till the end of the age. And then he left, which is a little bit of tension. Like, wait, what? But he said, I'm giving you my spirit. I'm sending my spirit who will be within you. And the spirit will guide you. And the Spirit will strengthen you. And the Spirit will empower you. And the Spirit will give you wisdom. And the Spirit will show you the way to go. And the Spirit is constantly talking. God, God in Jesus, in you, is constantly talking. And we need to learn to listen. If he nudges and if he leads, can you hear him? That's one of the things that I want to get really passionate about uh, in us at Damascus Road. I want more and more and more and more people at Damascus Road to have a keen sense of, I know that God is speaking and I recognize his voice and I, I am able to respond. There are way too many people and I live for way too long in my life feeling like 
I think maybe God showed up and I heard him twice in my life. Maybe. And it is such a gift to start to understand that God is always speaking. We just need to tune like a radio to his voice to say, I want to hear. I want to hear so that I can respond. It's an invitation and it often leads into a challenge. Not just a do, perform kind of thing, get busy, but a respond to who I am and respond to what I'm doing. Let's do this together kind of response. I want you to have the freedom to listen to the Holy Spirit and to respond. And we're going to be talking about that over and over and over in the coming months. And we're, I want that in your relationships and I want people pouring into you who can start to help you hear the voice of God in your own life. So if God is saying something to you and you start to recognize it, or even if you're questioning like, whoa, I, I don't know that I've ever thought of you talking to me before God. Is that you? I want you to lean into that. And I want you to start to say, I think it is. Now test it with community. Like I heard this from God, it sounds really weird. And they're like, oh, that's not God. That is not God. Don't do that. Okay? Test it with community. Test against what the Bible says, but recognize that God is speaking and seek to hear and take a risk. And if you hear him leading you in a certain way, don't be afraid. Just walk with him into it. If he tells you to go up and introduce you to some, uh, yourself to somebody, if he tells you to help somebody, if he tells you to just stop and linger and receive from him, Start to be the kind of a person that would say yes back to God. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I will listen. Yes, I will hear from you. Yes, I will receive from you. Yes, I will go where you're telling me to go. I will be who you're calling me, who you're saying I am. I will live out of who you say I am. I will listen and I will respond. Say yes to God. And you'll find as you say yes to God, you'll find that not only are you near and dear to his heart, but people, other people, are near and dear to his heart as well. And you will start reflecting God in the way that you treat people, in the way you relate with people. You will start, out of your yes to God, you will have a yes for people. We live with either a yes or a no toward people. There's really no neutral relationships. You might think they're neutral. You're like, I don't know how they feel about me. And that usually leans toward the negative, right? There really are no neutral relationships. There are yes relationships and there are no relationships. How do I live with yes to God and with people? Here are some practical ways toward it. Dallas Willard is one of, uh, he was a wonderful man, philosopher, uh, deeply reflective on the heart of God. Wrote all kinds of stuff on getting into the deep stuff with God and walking with him. And he talks about living toward yes in other people. He says, every, every encounter with another human should be one of goodwill and respect with a readiness to acknowledge 
make way for and assist the other. Every encounter with another human should be one of goodwill and respect with a readiness to acknowledge, make way for, and assist the other. And I want to talk about a few of those and just break that out a little bit. He talks about goodwill. Every encounter with another human should be one of goodwill and respect. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. That we lean into each other, that we seek to build each other up, that we have goodwill, that we want the best for people, and we will do what we can to help with that. You have the power to build people up or to tear people down. And you see this all the time in team sports. My coach had this rule in high school in soccer that we were not allowed, we were not allowed to say, come on, to any one of our teammates on the field. He said, come on, is a negative kind of shrinking statement. If you want to talk to each other on the field, talk in ways that build each other up. Talk in ways that spur one another on. You can coach each other on the field, but do it in a way not that it leans no. Like, don't do that. But it builds each other up. I will tell you, it is a massive difference. The difference between my high school soccer experience and my college soccer experience, when I had a coach that leaned yes and trained us to say yes to each other, and my college coach, who was a big no, who had the leaders on the team my freshman year just berating the freshmen. Like, it had a serious effect on the tone and on the play of the team. Now, some people thrive under a coach that's a streamer. I say generally that's not an approach for somebody. We want to give courage. The word encourage means like to, to impart courage, not just to make people feel better, but to make them have more courage. So, again, high school soccer. We had an up-and-coming program. My freshman year, uh, I'm, there was one king in our division that just went undefeated year after year after year. My freshman year, I was playing on the JV team, and the coach said, would you come watch the varsity game with me? I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. And I went, and we, our varsity team lost 11-0. That's not a good game in soccer, right? That's a bad that's painful for everybody involved, okay? But as we started to get better, our JV team was competing with J their JV team. And by the time I was a junior, we were like going back and forth. We had, the varsity team had never scored a goal on them. Like, don't even talk about winning against them. We had never scored. And I remember playing against them my junior year, and we scored for the first time, and it, it went in. It was like, whoa, something broke, something shattered. Like, we can play with them. We can score against them. And I remember dribbling way too much and hearing my dad on the sideline yell, shoot it. You can't dribble all day. And I can hear him. My dad had a voice that I could hear, and his, his voice wasn't a tear me down kind of voice. You're doing it wrong. It was you're doing it wrong, but you can shoot. So shoot. And the next time I got the ball from about 20 yards out, just past that 18-yard line, I ripped a shot. 
My dad encouraged me that day. That was that yes. We can move on to the next one. Is a good shot. It like hung a foot off the ground and went straight to the right corner of the net past a diving goalie. And we scored again off an unscorable team. And it took somebody speaking courage to say, you can do this. Yes, shoot the ball. And it changed. Now, we lost 3-2. But something changed that day, right? Something changed, and we got better. And it was a few years later that our varsity team beat that team, and we became king. I wasn't on the team, but I'm a part of the alumni, so I get that right. <laughs> Encourage someone. You can be a yes in someone's life. You can be a shot of courage. You can speak life into people who are discouraged. Be present to somebody. Listen. People are going through loss. People are dealing with all kinds of guilt and shame. People are walking through divorces. People have broken relationships. People have money problems. And you can be courage to them. You can lean in with a yes. I'm with you. That's the first one. Goodwill. Encourage one another. Live, yes. The second one, Dallas Willard says, is all human relationships should be ready to acknowledge one another. There's a readiness to acknowledge. And this is just about greeting each other. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. We try to do this here at Damascus Road without the kiss part. Okay? We, we want to recognize there's probably some cultural translation that we're not going to get right. We're going to mess that part up. So we'll just bypass the kiss and we'll stick to the greeting part. Okay? But there's something, there's something about greeting somebody that says, I see you. I notice you. There have been times where I've gone up to people here on Sunday morning and I just say, I see you. And it's not like a childish game. It's just, I want to acknowledge you're here. We're here together. And I love that. I said it to somebody this past week. I said, I missed you on Easter. And he responded, yeah, I know. I should have been there. And I was like, nope, no, nope, nope. That's not what I'm saying. There's no shame in that. There's no guilt in that. I missed you. I like it when I see you. I like it when we get to be together. And when you're gone... I notice. We're good. I see you. There's power when you do that for somebody else. When you acknowledge someone, when you say, I see you. There's a real simple way that Leslie and I are trying to do this. Our kids are getting older and they're involved in more and more activities. And I'm kind of an introvert. I lean like right in the middle, but I can go into my introvert side when I've been around people a lot. And so like, I could take Lucy to volleyball, and then I would be perfectly content to just sit on the gym floor in a corner somewhere and watch the volleyball activities and not say anything for an hour. That would be really wonderful for me. But Leslie and I have been trying to like, acknowledge people and say, let's make an effort to just talk to other parents. We don't know them. We could know them. It takes a high. My name's Shannon. 
I leaned over to some guy at karate lessons. I was like, hey, your kids are really good at this. Do you do this? They're like, they got me into it. I'm like, oh, cool. And we just started a conversation. I was like, hey, this is what people can do. Like, we can talk to each other. We're getting really good at speed texting and scrolling, and we're getting really bad at acknowledging actual people that aren't on the screen. We don't have to stay that way. You can be a yes towards somebody just in acknowledging them, just in greeting them, just in saying, hi, it's good to see you. I'm glad we're in the same space right now. Greeting isn't a job that's reserved for a team or a pastor. Like, it's not my job to greet the church. It is, and it's also yours, right? We are the church. We do this together. We greet within the church, and we greet outside. Let's be a people who start greeting each other. What, I love that about us, that when we do that in this time, it, it, the, the major feeling in the air is not, oh, this is awkward. Can we just move on? It's a, we like this time. And I want that. And if it's awkward for you, that, it's okay to say that. I would hope at some point relationships would grow to say, like, hey, we get to connect. Be a people who say yes by greeting each other. The third, the third way, so it's say yes to God, like listen to his voice, and then start to, start to live into people so that you have goodwill for people. You're encouraging them, and you are acknowledging people. And the third people, yes, is making way for people. Like we need to be ready to make way. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. It's saying, you go first. You go first. I'll wait. I'll wait. You ever been in an airplane when you land and the plane is taxiing and everybody is like getting ready to unbuckle their seatbelt? As soon as that bell dings, what do people do? Like they stand up and then they fill the aisle and then they do what? They stand there. Like, you're not winning. You're going to win by like 10 seconds. And it's way more uncomfortable for you. Like, what if we just let that go a little bit? And said, go ahead. I'm just going to, I'm good. Go ahead. Or we did it at a four-way stop sign. That's why I love roundabouts. See, they're just... Four-way stop signs where you're like, you can acknowledge someone. You can greet them. And there are different ways to greet people, right, while you're driving? <laughs> Do the real greeting thing. You can greet them, and you can have them go first. Even if you showed up, maybe, maybe a hair sooner, or maybe you're on the right, or how. Just tell them to go. You could get into, I've had, you ever been in a war with people? Like, you go, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. Fine, I'll go. Yes. Just go. At the grocery store. Like, I, it's encouraging when somebody's like, oh, you have three items? Why don't you go? Now, you don't have to do that. You have a right to get there first and to just go through the line, and they can wait, darn it. Or you could be a person who says yes and makes way for other people and says, why don't you go first? It's something when you see somebody with a big cart and you have a big cart and you're like, I'm going to intentionally back up right now. 
And you can, you can almost see it disarm them. Like, oh, oh, good, we don't have to fight. You're letting me. Wow. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're so into it, and you're like, you won. I'm good with that. Fine. You go first. I've been convicted lately in this area. Because part of going first and part of making way for people is our ability to listen to them. Our ability to not jump right in, our ability to not cut them off, but our ability to listen and listen through. And I've really been convicted in how I listen or don't. And it's a reminder to me, I want to say yes in conversation by not saying anything. Maybe that's an area that you can grow in too. This final one would be say yes to joy. So we say yes to God. We recognize and we learn more and more and more that God is always speaking. And then there's three ways that we can respond to people in relationships. To say yes in encouragement and say yes in greeting people and say yes in making way for people. And then it, kinda, it comes back to God to say yes to joy. That you are invited in. And be reminded of God's yes for you. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what trouble you've made or what trouble you're in. God stands with a yes that all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. God says yes to you. And that leads to great joy that triumphs over circumstances. We can say yes to him. And yes to others. And look how the Bible ends. I love this. Revelation 22:20. He who testifies to these things says, this is Jesus speaking now. Yes, I am coming. Yes, I am coming soon. End quote. Amen. Jesus says, yes, yes, yes. I am coming soon, and we say, amen. Let it be so. That's exactly what I want. That's the way I want it to happen. Yes, Jesus, come. I want you here. Amen, come. That's how the Bible ends. So this week, find a way to remind yourself of the yes of God. Write it on your mirror. Get a dry erase marker and just write that on the bathroom mirror. Write yes. And let it remind you of God's yes to you. Write it on your hand or on the inside of your hand so that nobody can see it. Write it on a post-it note and stick it in a place. Just that one word, yes. And be reminded of the depth of that word, of God's positioning toward you, that he has a gigantic yes toward you. Immerse yourself this week in the yes of God. After communion, we're going to sing a song called Love Came Down. And it reflects the great yes of God. And in response, we say yes. We say, God, I am yours. I am forever yours. You said yes to me. And I will forever say yes back to you and to others. Let's pray.
God, we are so grateful that when you look at us, your stance toward us is yes. You look at us and you say, yes, I love you. You didn't have to do that. That's who you are. That's how you look at us. And there are times that you tell us no, and it's for our good. It's in raising us up and leading us so that we don't go off the rails and we don't go off the tracks. You tell us no, but your stance toward us is a great big yes. And so we respond back to you with our yes. Then we say, Jesus, that we will go where you want us to go. We will do what you want us to do. We will give what you want us to give. We will be who you say we are. When we wake and when we sleep and in our work and in our actions, in our lives, we give ourselves to you and we say yes. And everyone who agrees with this prayer says amen. Amen.